Hello. Long time no see. I'm back from our long sabbatical. And this is LaFronda Stone from the Coco Cinephile Critic. And today I will discuss, I think I already discussed awards from Golden Globes, SAG, uh, and uh, Critics' Choice. So now I'm going to talk about films that are, I think are is going to win, who I think should win the Oscars. They're on February, April, excuse me, April 25th on ABC. Then I'll talk about Oscar uh, movie reviews for No Man Land, Jews and the Black Messiah, and Promising Young Woman. So let's not beat around the bush. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, all the categories at the Academy Awards. I'm going to start with Best Visual Effects. Uh, the nominees are Love and Monsters, Midnight Sky, Mulan, the one and only Ivan, and Tenet. And I only saw Tenet. And the rest of the category, well, two of them I never heard. I never heard of Love and Monsters and the one and only Ivan. But I think Tenet is going to win. I think it should win, even though that's the only one that I've seen. And I'm going to, well, I'm going to talk about Best Documentary Short Subject, Colette, Unconchero La Conversation, Do Not Split. And who else I'm missing here? Oh, Hunger Ward and A Love Song for Latasha. Now, I only heard of A Lo Love Song for Latasha. That's on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. So, um, I guess uh, as a crapshoot, I'm going to pick that for Best uh, Documentary short subject. Okay, now best documentary feature. We have Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher in Time. And I didn't see any of them. I'm going to um, look at, I think the front runner is My Octopus Teacher. And I heard good things about Time. Time has won most of the uh, Critics Awards. There's also Love for Crick Can. I think that's produced by the, the Obamas. And Collective was also nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. I think The Mole Age is also on Amazon. So I heard that this was a good selection. I'm going to say Time because uh, I guess, and if not, My Octopus Teacher. I think those are the two are, that are competing. Time is a, a sentimental one from what I heard. And uh, it has a powerful ending, so I'm going to go along with that. Best Cinematography, Jews and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, No Man Land, and A Trial of Chicago 7. And my pick, um, I, I was going to say Mank, and then I switched to No Man Land because it won so many critics awards, but Mank upset at the AC, a ASC uh, Cinematography Guild, so I'm going to switch back to Mank. And Mank is my personal favorite. I've seen four out of the five. I hadn't seen News of the World. Not all of News of the World. But uh, I think Mank is eye candy. I love the cinematography for Mank. It's so gorgeous. I'm surprised that it hasn't won more Critics Award. A lot of that has gone to No Man Land. And it is a beautiful film, No Man Land is. But that's my second choice. Number one is Mank. Now, best live action short film, Feeling Through, The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and White Eye. I hadn't heard of any of them. <laughs> but um, I think White Eye or Two Distant Strangers sound like the titles that could be the most competitive and uh, the most interesting. So I'm going to go along with uh, Two Distant Strangers. Best anime short film, Boro, Genius Locky, If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. I think I'll pick this between Boro from Disney and If Anything Happens, I Love You from Netflix. But I think the Disney Pixar uh, juggernaut will continue with Boro. And uh, I, that's my pick. Disney has done very well with the Oscars over decade after decade. So I'm not going to stop the train here. I'm going to go for a borrow. Best costume design, Emma, Mank, 
Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Now, Ma Rainey, I picked that to win. Anne Roth, who's a longtime costumer, is 89 years old. If she wins, this will be her second win. And uh, I will pick that for best costume. My, I guess my personal choice, well, I hadn't seen Emma, but I, I think it will be Ma Rainey, too, from what I've seen. And uh, best sound, we had Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, Sound of Metal. And Sound of Metal, this is an easy pick, will win for best sound. It's a story about a, a deaf uh, man who loses his hearing the beginning stages of the, of the movie and how he copes with hearing loss. So that's the easiest win, one of the easier, easier wins of the night. Now, best original score. The nominees are The Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World, and Soul. Now, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross were nominated twice. And for Mank and Soul, along with John Baptiste, I think Soul is going to win for best score. It swept all the televised awards, British Choice, Golden Globe. And uh, my pick is, is Soul. And um, I'll give you a review of Soul uh, probably tomorrow. And uh, best original song, Fight for You, Judas and the Black Messiah. Hearing my voice from the Toronto Chicago 7. Houston Nick, Eurovision Song Contest. Low C, Sing, By the Life Ahead. And Speak Now from One Night Miami. I think it's going to go to Speak Now. Uh, Leslie Owen Jr. has been campaigning hard. And I know Diane Warren, for, who, who won Golden Globe for Low C. Uh, and, uh, oh yeah, Leslie Odom won Critics' Choice. So it's between those two. I hope it doesn't go to Houstonic Eurovision Song Contest. You know, it's it's a stupid film. <laughs> you know, wasn't a fan of it. Um, hear my voice. Uh, I don't remember that song. Fight for You is a good song, but I think Speak Now and uh, the compensation to give the award because they only got three nominations. Uh, One night in Miami, did I get a Best Picture nomination? No, Best Director for Regina King with her directorial debut. So I was kind of disappointed in that. So it'll be a compensation for those misses at other categories from One Night Miami. Now, best original screenplay, we have Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and A Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, Promising Young Woman has been sweeping. I think it won Critics' Choice. And uh, I think it won the WGA. And uh, I think uh, it's uh, usually women win best screenplay. Goes back to Jane Campion, Piano, Sophia Coppola for Lost in Translation. So um, it seems like if a woman doesn't win best director, they're compensated for their screenplays. So that's why it has the edge. Uh, second choice, my, my number one choice is Judas and the Black Messiah, then followed by Promising Young Woman. And uh, Sound of Metal, it's good. Charles Chicago Station is good, but I think Sound of Metal is better. And see Minari. I live in Madisonville, Kentucky, so it's not coming down here anytime soon, unless it's on DVD. Best Adapted Screenplay, Borat, Subsequent Movie Film. The, a lot of writers. Yeah, The Father, No Man Land, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Where's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom? Why was this taken off? Come on. Um, you know, it surprised me, but Borat's subsequent movie film won the WGA Adapted. I don't know how that could happen. The Father wasn't eligible, or No Man Land wasn't eligible either. Um, I kind of find it hard to believe that No Man Land will win Adapted Screenplay. It's more of a, a experience, a visual ex exercise, and it, not really in terms of dialogue, so I'm surprised in particular one critic's choice best adapted screenplay. And I think well, No Man Land is a very good film, but I think The Father will win uh, best adapted screenplay. It won BAFTA. It has a, it, it got six nominations, so they might 
won the Give the Consolation Prize for Adapted Screenplay to Oscar members. And um, am I missing anything? Wait a minute. Let me go to Best Editing. Let me go backtrack over here a little bit. Best Film Editing, we have The Father, No Man Land, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. The most edited film is The Trial of Chicago 7, so I think that's an easy pick. Um, if not, uh, No Man Land could win. But uh, I think it, I think Chicago 7 will just get one award, and that will be for film editing. Best International Feature Film, Another Round from Denmark, Better Days, Collective. Uh, the Man Who Sold the Skin and Kovaris Aida. Another Round, Denmark, Better Days, Hong Kong, Collective Romania. The Man Who Sold the Skin, Tunisia and Kovaris uh, Aida, Bosnia and Herzegovina. I think it's going to be another round. I hadn't seen that. I'm going to probably watch that and uh, I'm going to talk about that. Uh, either it might be, it might be after the Oscars. But um, I think another round is going to win. It got a Best Director nomination, so I think that's the leading contender. And uh, makeup and hairstyling nominees are Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. I think when in terms of makeup, the best one, well, I hadn't seen Pinocchio, but it is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Hillbilly Elegy, which is a terrible film. Uh, but the makeup is good in the film. So uh, I think that uh, Ma Rainey is sweeping also with makeup and hairstyling. So that would be another win for Ma Rainey. Our best production design. Uh, let me see The Father. My Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. And Mank has won the Critics Awards for production design. So that is probably the, it could win. I think it's the safest bet to win. But it also could win cinematography in the upset, even though I don't think in cinematography should be the upset because I think it's clearly the most beautiful film, black and white. It's fun. But getting back to production design, Yes, I think Mank uh, is what is the easiest win uh, of the night for that film. Now, let me see. Uh, best animated feature film, Onward, Pixar, Over the Moon, Netflix, Sean, the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, Netflix, Soul, and Wolf Walkers. Oh, I hadn't seen Wolf Walkers. I don't get Apple TV. I can't afford it. I got a lot of other channels I got to cancel. Um, but, um, I think Soul is going to win. I'm going to keep Disney Plus and Netflix and what's the other one? Uh, Hulu. Um, those are the least expensive to buy every month. Uh, and if not, I would say Wolf Walkers, but I think Soul is the film to, 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 to beat. And as I said earlier, I'm going to do a movie review of, uh, of oh, Soul and maybe another round. I'll talk about it tomorrow. But uh, let me see. I already did all this. Let me see what's next. Okay, let's go to Best Supporting Actress in the Supporting Role. Nominees are Maria Bakalova, Boras Sazakut Movie Film, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman, The Father. Amanda Six Siegfried, Mank, and Yoon Jun Yoon from Minari. And Yoon Jun Yoon, I hope I say that name right. Yoon Jun Yoon. Yes, uh, she, she won BAFTA, and I thought she was going to win Critics' Choice, but Maria Bakalova won that one, uh, uh, SAG. So I flee, believe that she's going to win Best Supporting Actress. I think that's a pretty safe bet. And if not, uh, maybe Maria Bakalova, but that performance is really out there. I'm not sure what many Academy members will respond to it. Glenn Close is a terrible film. <laughs> and she's all decent in it, but there's so many things bad about that film. Yeah, I don't know why they even bother to give her a nomination. And to other people who are more deserving, like Dominique Fishback and Judas and the Black Messiah or Helena Zingo for News of the World. But anyway, um, I digress. Best Supporting Actor in Supporting Role. 
The nominees are Sasha Barra Cohen, The Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluta, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odin Jr. in One Night in Miami, Paul Racy, Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. This is Danny Kaluta. He's going to sweep everything. He's won all the Critics Awards, Televised Awards, Golden Globe, and SAG, and Critics' Choice, and BAFTA. And he's also, um, many people thought he deserved Best Actor for Get Out. Even though this is a lead performance, Kaluta with Lakeith Stanfield, I am happy that he's being recognized. And I think his biggest competition, it could be uh, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. Some say Shasha Baron Cohen, but this is a slam dunk, probably the most safest predictions of the night. Now let's get to the most, not the co most competitive, not controversial, but most competitive of the categories is Best Actress. Yeah, nominees are Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrew Day, The United States versus Billie Holiday. Number three, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman. Number four, Frances McDormand for No Man Land. And Carrie Mulligan, five, for A Promising Young Woman. Now, Vanessa Kirby is the only one who hasn't won a televised award, so she won't be, nom uh, won't be picked. Uh, she'll be, she's number five. And I think number four is... Frances McDormand for No Man Land, even though she won BAFTA. She won it, and the other people who weren't nominated in BAFTA, Viola Davis, Carrie Mulligan, Andrew Day, weren't, weren't even in the picture. They weren't even nominated. And I think Andrew Day was not even nominated in the, in the BAFTA shortlist, which I don't understand. And she's won two Oscars. And uh, the one thing that people are not considering is that I think that Frances McDormand will win an Oscar for Best Picture, and she'll win an Oscar as a producer of No Man Land, so she doesn't need another Oscar for Best Actress. So that's why I have her a fourth. Uh, number three, I have Carrie Mulligan. I know some, I think people, the Oscar pundits are predicting her win uh, despite uh, only one winning Critics' Choice. And the least predictive win is Critics' Choice. And most people who usually win the Golden Globe usually win. And I go look at Andrew Day or Viola Davis, 73%, I think, are hurt for SAG and 88% for Golden Globe. Um, I think Carrie Mulligan's film, her performance, is a very divisive film. I think a lot of older Academy members, I know they're new members, but there's still enough of the older Academy members who might don't like <laughs> what that film stands for, for the Me Too movement, and I think a, a older Academy members might be feel uncomfortable. So I don't. I think she's kind of in third place. So um, and number it's between Andrew Day and Viola Davis, and some have Andrew Day at fourth because she missed out the long list and was nominated for uh, SAG. But I think the Golden Globe win is proof that she is a major contender. She plays Billie Holiday, and usually that type of producer role wins Oscars. Well, Diana Ross was close to winning an Oscar for Lady Sings the Blues. I think Renelle Zellweger won last year for Judy. I mean, there was Sissy Spacek who won for Cole Martin's Daughter, Reese Witherspoon for Walk the, Walk the Line. Um, so I think a lot of people uh, really appreciate her performance. It's her debut performance. She does nudity. She starts smoking and drinking because of trying to play Billy Holiday. Hope she quits. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a drinker or smoker either. Um, but I think it's going to be Viola Davis uh, because she won SAG. And I think the Academy is ready for an actress to, black actress to win Best Actress. They have happened since Halle Berry. And the one thing that I didn't hear anyone talk about, and I heard so many Oscar pundits from Mike and Mike Oscar, Awards Radar, um, who else? Uh, Next Best Picture, uh, Oscar Espert, the film drunk, is that the last time a black woman won Best Actors, the Best Actor was also black, uh, Denzel Washington. Uh, and Halle Berry were one Best Actor and Best Actress 
for different roles in different movies, but I think that it's going to happen again. It's going to be a uh, lead black actor in Chadwick Bo Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, for Chadwick Boseman and uh, Bilal Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be best actor and, and best actress both African American, like it was in 2002. Denzel and Halle Berry, African American. Uh, so that could very well happen again within a 20 year span. And yes, I'm predicting for Best Actor Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey, Abby Hawkins, the father, Gary Oldman, Mank, Stephen Young, Renari, oh, Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal. Um, some people are saying Anthony Hopkins is going to win. He won BAFTA. Uh, her, I. I wouldn't be very good if Hawkins won. I'd be really upset. I think a lot of people of color would be really upset with that. Um, this is his last chance to win an award. He's not here. And uh, his, I think his wife would be very upset. His widow would be very upset if he didn't become the best actor. Um... It's a tribute to the great performances that he's done over the years. Shivanani for Get On Up for playing James Brown. And uh, it's a career performance. It's my favorite performance of the year for an, for an actor. And uh, he should be recognized. And so I'm going to predict him to win. Um, best Director, Thomas Vintenberg for Another Round. David Fincher for Mank. Lee Isaac Chun for Minari, Chloe Zhao No Man Land, and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. It's going to be Chloe Zhao. I think she has won 50 critics awards for that. I don't think that's ever happened before. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's another safe pick of the night. And this, I think she's my pick too. Yeah, uh, my pick. My pick for best actress, by the way, is Andrew Day. Even though and Viola Davis is a close second. Then Carrie Mulligan. Oh, wait a minute. Vanessa Kirby third. Then Carrie Mulligan. And number five, Francis McDormand. Um, best Supporting Actress. Let me backtrack here. Uh, my favorite Best Supporting Actress is... Uh, I haven't seen Yoo Jung Young for... Because I live in a small town. It hasn't came down here. And it's really expensive to get that movie just to rent. $20. Uh... And I'm, I'm not going to pick Glenn Close. There's no way I'm going to do that. Um, I haven't seen Olivia Collins either. Hmm. Mayor Bakalova? I wouldn't give it. I guess Amanda, Amanda Siegfried for Mank is my pick for Best Supporting Actress. She's unrecognizable as Marion Davies. It's a really great job. Best Supporting Actor, this is Danny Kaluuya, too, even though I like Lakeith Stanfield and Leslie Odom Jr. A lot, there's a lot of love for Paul Racy, and glad he got nominated, but my pick is Danny Kaluuya. And uh, Best Picture, we have The Father, Jews and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, No Man Land, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Now, I hadn't seen Minari and The Father. I've seen the rest of them. And my favorite of this pick is Jews and the Black Messiah. And what's followed by Promising Young Woman. And then Mank. Who comes in fourth. Uh, no Man Land. Five, Sentimental. And six, The Trial of Chicago. Seven. With all the films that I've seen, I give three stars. Um... But I think it's going to be No Man Land. Uh, I want Producers Guild, which is a huge indicator of the people liking it. Some people thought it wouldn't be a winner because it's an independent film. But uh, in this year, I think they'll make an exception. I think Trials Trials Seven won SAG Best Cast, but I don't think there's a lot of love or support for that film. I think it was if it was in theaters, maybe it would have a better chance. I think third place would be uh, Minari. Minari could upset. There are a lot of people who love that film. I wish I could see it. 
Uh, Judas, uh, is, uh, there's a lot of people who love that film as well. I think the last on this list is either The Father or Sentimental. I'll say Sentimental. Um, people are talking about Raison Mess performances and sound, but uh, as a Best Picture nominee uh, winner, uh, it's the, the biggest Ron shot along with The Father. I think uh, it'll have to sell, The Father had to sell for Best Adapted Screenplay. Even though I love Anthony Hopkins, you know, he deserved to win for Silence of the Lambs. Um, I don't want him to win. He already was won his Oscar, and I, I'm not going to say something about Chabot Bowes, but I might get in trouble. But if Heath Ledger won and Peter Finch won possibly after their, their deaths, you should spread the love to Chabot Bowes and for... And, and to be quite honest with you, for uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I really can't imagine anyone not be uh, rejuvenated. Is that, is that the right word? But, uh, or respond so very strongly to that performance. I mean, to not nominate him is mind-boggling. To not give him the Oscar. Now, I did hear, going back, that there were some people... Uh, Anonymous Balladers, and I think this is a uh, Clayton Davis from Variety. He was there, and he was making his predictions, and he heard certain people say that Chad with both was going to win, but they voted for Anthony Hopkins. This is one Academy member who was in the acting branch, and he heard something similar to other people. If it's not. Uh, Ahmed, uh, but Anthony Hawkins or Riz Ahmed or Stephen Young or even Gary Oldman. And they were saying that in the, the past few days, and I hope that doesn't happen. It shouldn't be a close contest. And I think the percentage of him, Stafford Bowman winning is 75 to 25 percent. Um, it would be a travesty if he didn't win. And if he, he doesn't win, yeah, a lot of people are going to be upset. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, please, I still am fairly confident that Chadwick Boseman will win Best Actor, and uh, and his widow, Simone Lavard Boseman, will give a beautiful uh, acceptance speech, and uh, I think they also have a baby, too. And, um, yes, and uh, that's all that I have for Oscar nominations, and uh, the Oscar nominations are on ABC. April 25th, and check your local stations, and I will come back and talk about the Oscar-nominated films. I I'm going to start with Judas and the Black Messiah, and uh, in No Man Land, and No Man Land, A Promising Young Woman. So I will be back in a few minutes. You stay tuned. Hello, I'm back, and I'm going to talk about three Oscar film reviews. They're nominated for Best Picture, all three of them. I'm going to start with Jews and the Black Messiah. The film is directed by Shaka King, starring Danny Kula as Fred Hampton. And, uh, let me see. Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield plays the betrayer. Yeah, and uh, let me see who he plays. Yes, uh, let me see. Lakeith Stanfield plays Bill O'Neill. Jesse Plemons plays Roy Mitchell. Dummy Fishback plays Deborah Johnson, Algie Smith plays Jane Winters, Bobby Rush, Darnell Britt Gibson, Ashton Sanders is Jimmy Palmer. Now the film is, is about Fred Hampton's life and it starts in Chicago in 1968. And uh, it's a film, it's about his life and he died tragically at the age of 21 by the FBI. Under and there's and uh, Bill O'Neill plays someone who's gotten arrested uh, for 
for a crime and the FBI and the police want him to infiltrate Fred Hansen's Black Panther Party. So he goes along with it. And uh, Danny Kaluuya uh, gives a very commanding performance as as Fred Hansen. It was a very passionate performance with, with, with a lot of style and bravado. And... Uh, and I think it's really great in a lot of ways, the film. And his performance is the best thing in it. And uh, I think uh, Martin Sheen also plays J. Edgar Hoover. Jesse Plemons plays the second in command. Uh, Jesse Plemons, I think his name is, uh, uh, well, I'll get to his name later. And he's, Jesse Plemons' character gets Lakeith Stemfield to spy on Fred Hampton. And, and after a while, Bill O'Neill does become entrenched with the whole Black Panther experience, the protests and trying to get people for different groups, Jewish and Hispanic, even poor whites, for justice for the downtrodden and to stand up against the white power structure that is pervaded, per, per, prevailing in, a, in the United States of America. Fred Hampton wanted to change things and make the world a better place. And Deborah Johnson is the love interest of Bill O'Neill's character. Yes, and uh, there are many great standout scenes for use in the Black Messiah. One of them is a gun pulled on by O'Neill with uh, Lady Black Panther, and there's a shooting against the police, against the Lady Black Panthers, and with Bill O'Neill. Uh, but it's the Black Lady Panther who is really shooting and taking charge of the situation. And I thought that whole scene was very well done. I also liked when Fred Hampton was at a rally and uh, Bill O'Neill is there and Jesse Plemons' uh, FBI character, the evil man that he is, is staring him down. And uh, he gives a, they're all cheering uh, Black Panther uh, songs and at the rally and you see uh, uh, Keith Stanfield's character watching Jesse Plemons' character staring him down. And Jesse Plemons' character is wondering, is he really believes all this? I mean, he gives him a great performance of a lifetime. His character is not sure if she, he's just doing it for, if he's just acting or not. Is he doing it for, he really believes in it, or is he just doing it to save his own skin? I also think that, uh, and this is when he's released from prison. Now, J. Edgar Hoover's look at the photos of Black Panthers in his office and threatens Fleming's character about how he feels about interracial dating. So that is really what it's all about. The reason that they're after Fred Hampton and disturbed by Fred Hampton's actions is about increasing interracial marriage and relationships. I also like the scenes where Fishback reads poetry to Hampton's character when they involve into a deeper relationship. But then they get into an argument blowing up and then there's a blow up of City Hall at, at Hampton and O'Neill. And when that happens and also, I like the scene where the police showed out at O'Neill uh, in the crossing fire. And Hampton's in prison, and his past associates, one of his members gets shot. And suspicious circumstances surrounding one of the characters who was shot, uh, Black one of the Black Panthers, by the policeman. And... Uh, I think the performances are excellent. I think that Danny Kruger gives his best performance since Get Out. It's a terrific performance. Lakeith Stanfield is right up there 
as a man who at first just cares about saving his own skin, but he feels guilt. He feels guilt and sadness about what he's doing to the cause, and he wants out. And the reasons that he can't get out is is uh, sad and and but I don't want to reveal too much. Um, I think the script is well written by Shaka King and uh, was co-written by Shaka King. I think the writers for Judas and the Black Messiah. I think it's Keith Lucas and Craig Lucas. And they all do a terrific job covering uh, a very brief uh, few years in the period of Fred Hampton's life. And uh, and I think Dominique Fish put back as Deborah Johnson is gives a, a very powerful performance. And she doesn't have that much screen time, but when you do see her, it's a great indelible mark on the mind and the psyche. Uh, and uh, Martin Sheen is villainous. Jesse Clemens is also villainous as the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover and the F other henchmen of the FBI. Who, and Jesse Clemens' character is, he's uh, calm, laid back, and also very, very evil. Uh, it's, it's a well cast uh, in a role that that something that might that might Matt Damon or Philip Seymour Hoffman might would have played if he was still alive, but uh, Jesse Clemens does a great job, and uh, and it's a wonderful performance. I think the cinematography by Sean Babbitt, who's on a front Oscar, is terrific. I am glad he's getting the recognition that he deserves. He should have been on a for Twelve Years a Slave. And uh, the editing is, is taut and well done. Should have been on a for an Oscar for best editing. And uh, and is there any flaws? I, w I wish they could spend more time on it, but on Fred Hampton. But it's only a two-hour movie. But there's not any real flaws in the film. On a scale of one to four stars, I give it zero to four stars. I give it four stars. I think it's one of the best films of the year. And it's my personal pick for the best... Uh, picture of all the films nominated. So I give four stars to my ratings, not my rating, but I did give four stars to my rating, but Judas and the Black Messiah I also give four stars. I think they do a terrific job. So congrats to the director, Shaka King, the co-writers, Keith and Craig Lucas, and the producer, Brian Coogler, is also one of the producers, so shouts out to all of them. And the performances in the film, they did a superb job. The next review I'm going to do is No Man Land. And I'll make it brief. Because it's 30 minutes I'm going to devote into all of this. It, it's a story about a woman named Firm, middle age, six years old, lost everything uh, after the, the, the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. Her husband passed away from cancer. She's lost everything, and uh, she's devoting her life to be a no man, living in a van, uh, with, in, with all her surroundings, all her comforts that she needs. She meets several people who have also lost everything, living in motorhomes, trucks, vans. And it's a film about a part of a community. It's kind of a somber tale of losing everything, but having a sense of family, a sense of community, other nomads is all they have, they just each other. Fern lost her husband, has no children, has a sister, but will not move in with her sister, will not move away from uh, where uh, she's located in North Nevada. She works on Amazon, but it's briefly, you know, it's temporary. And they, the workers get very, very little money. And she goes to uh, an employment agency looking for work, and the employment agent says there's there's no work around here. So she gets jobs in cleaning, cleaning, and working at a fast food restaurant where she meets David Strathairn, who is a worker, uh, and they become friends. 
It's a Chloe Zhao directed film and beautiful cinematography that stands out. And uh, the film is about Will Fern. Will she move in with family or her sister eventually? Will she move in with David Sir Theron's family? Um, it's about her getting a place to stay or just live as a nomad to be closer to where her husband loved so much and to be a part of community of nomadland. And I want to say the best things I'm going to say again is the cinematography by Joshua Richards, I believe. It's a beautiful piece, piece of cinematography, one of the best of the year. And, uh, and I think Francis Gorman gives a noble performance. It's very subtle and quietly powerful. And, and usually you see just her expression and the look on her face and conveys so many emotions so well. It reminded me of a silent film. The script uh, is adapted from a book. It's not the greatest when it comes to dialogue. I think that's one criticism I have of the film. Um, and most of the people who are in No Man Land are non-actor. There's Swanky, who is real life is a nomad and David Stratherman is not a nomad but he's poor and work and gets the chance to see his son after all these years who's gonna he's gonna be a grandfather and uh, there's this one lady uh, the nomad talks about how she lost everything and how she contemplated suicide but changed her mind because of her dogs and she talked about how she's going to commit suicide and, and how she lost everything from that. Uh, there was a plant in North Nevada that closed and so many jobs were lost. And she was one of them. And, uh, and there's Swanky, a cancer patient who uh, helps Fern when she has a flat tire. And Swanky uh, chastised her for... Uh, for not having a spare tire to work with. And I also like when Fern observes and walks through the rocks and the landscapes of the Nevada desert. And, and I think this film is, is told over the course of one year. And, uh, and there's a very frank scene where I see Fern uh, when she's in the clear water, totally naked, just uh, this is not in the winter, this is like in the spring or summer, and she is just, you see her everything, her naked body, and she's just immersing herself in the environment. And uh, it's a very memorable scene. Nothing much really goes on in Mom, No Man Land, but I think it's a film that's worth seeing because of the beautiful cinematography. Francis McDormand is very solid. His is, it's a very strong performance. I also like David Theron as a potential love interest for Fern. And um, it's, it's, the film is really about atmosphere and ambience and getting absorbed in the community and the visual images. And it's a beautiful picture to look at. Director Chloe Zhao does a very brilliant job with the visuals. And it's a, it's a story of a woman who lost everything but tries to rebuild it and would pride get in the way of, uh, uh, of not staying in Nevada, North Nevada, but moving away or moving in with someone, um, uh, a sister in, in particular. There's also one scene where she does visit her sister and how I think her husband, her sister's husband, kind of criticized her for living in no man land, <laughs> just uh, being homeless, basically. But Francis McDormand says she's not homeless, she's houseless. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I think out of, uh, the, I think out of four stars, I threw three and a half. It's a very strong film. The, the images of the film is what leads you to feel that it's a very strong, powerful film. I'd like to have a little bit more snappy dialogue, but uh, it's based on a book, 
but um, and also it kind of nothing really happened. But the images are so powerful with the cinematography and the performances and getting to really get to know the people in the community and you empathize with them and you have strong convictions and you understand what reasons the reasons that they have for staying there and not moving away. Or in some people in, in Fern, she has to choose between either staying in the community or le uh, leaving the community in order to find work for herself or to move in with someone. And that's what the heart of the story is for Domain Lane. And on that basis, as I said earlier, I give it three and a half out of four stars. Um, now, my next and final review of the e of today is Promising Young Woman. And I heard a, a lot of people are divisive about this film. I bought this on DVD, saw it, and I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year, along with Jews and the Black Messiah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Those, I think it's my trinity of great films of this year. Um, the film stars Carrie Mulligan as Cassandra. They call her Cassie in the film. And she is she's a woman who uh, lives with her parents still. She's 30 years old, dropped out of medical school. And she works at a coffee shop, and Laverne Cox uh, plays her boss. And uh, she spends years of time playing drunk at bars and picking up guys who think she's drunk. And then she kind of makes a fool out of them and realizes she's sober and kind of teaches them a lesson. Um, and then one day at the coffee shop, she meets a, 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 a fellow medical student who's now a pediatrician, played by, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Berman. And uh, he makes a very, he makes a comment that's not very flattering to her, making, I guess, making a joke about her working at a coffee shop instead of uh, starting out promising working, you know, as a medical student going to school. So um, she spits in his coffee, but he allows her to do that. <laughs> he uh, spits and he drinks it and he tries to start over again and they eventually start dating. Well, at the same time, she... She tries to make peace with what happened in the past, and then when she, she decides to go back because her best friend was assaulted and she later committed suicide because she was raped at a drunken party and uh, uh, of doctors and forces her to drop out of school, which forces Cassandra to drop out. Her name is Nina, uh, her friend, Cassie's friend's name is Nina. And so she goes to, uh, and to meet with certain people who could have done better in the sexual assault case ag against her friend. And uh, she seeks revenge on them. And one of those people is sympathetic and uh, does have regrets of handling this, the case and situation. And... Uh, but uh, and anyway, she gets herself in a precarious situation, and uh, she meets with uh, with uh, her Nina's mother, who tells her to, to let it go. But the film is about going all the way to do everything she possibly can to serve to have justice for her deceased friend who was taken advantage of, who was drunk, and who couldn't, she, who, despite being drunk, said no to his sexual advances to this medical student. And uh, the film takes chances, and the film is daring, bold, inventive. I love the editing, and the screenplay by Emerald Fennell, who also directed the film, is tight direction, great editing. The direction is very matter-of-fact and in-your-face. Uh, it's a very contemporary film that a film that would be made today. Uh, the soundtrack is very inventive. At the end, there's Juice Newton, a song I hadn't heard of in a long time. But it also has songs of, of the 2010s, 2020s. 
The soundtrack is very eclectic of all different styles and genres. And okay, many scenes that I like is when uh, Cassie's parents give her a birthday present. Turns out is something that is not so subtle hint of something she should have done a long time ago. I won't say what it is. She also talks to uh, Bo Berman's character in a compromising scene where she's with this other guy. You know, she's supposed to be boyfriends with Bo Berman's character, and he, she, he sees them. And how she gets out of the situation is something that's pretty difficult to get out of. Um, how she explains it is something that uh, is not a very good reasoning. <laughs> Um, but uh, she confronts a lawyer played by Alfred Molina who defended the rapist, the perpetrator and how he res responds to Cassie might really might uh, surprise you um, and uh, the film is about revenge the film is also about justice, and I think in, in the, the Me Too and Ties Up movements that started four years ago is a film very relevant to today. Um, this is information that should have came out a long time ago. It was always wrong to, to take advantage of a woman regardless of her age who is drunk. If she is drunk and in, in, incapacitated, how can she make a a wise choice to be in a situation that's compromising her integrity and her self-respect and her virtue. And uh, I think Carrie Mulligan has two powerful scenes in the movie. One where she looks at something on her cell phone and another one where she confronts one of the main characters uh, in the film toward the end of the film. She gives a speech that's sinister and her into her mind justified it's a devastating performance so it's a it's and then the ending is it has one twist after another it has one of the greatest endings in movie history well I, of 2020 I should say and uh, on that basis uh, I out of zero out of four stars I give it four stars I think it's a great piece of filmmaking. It's probably my second or third film, uh, my favorite films of this year. I also like the performance of Laverne Cox, uh, who plays her boss. She has a smart alley personality that suits well with uh, Cassie's character, Carrie Mulligan's character in the film. And uh, so that's it. That's all my movie reviews and Oscar buzz. I thank you for joining in. And I guess my website is Coco Cinephile Critic. You can find it on Anchor. I'm now finally on Apple. So I uh, thank you all. And uh, I'll talk about other movies later on. So peace and many blessings. God bless. Bye-bye now.